Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and didn't cover up my iniquity. I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Well, as I look out this morning, uh, I must acknowledge that there is a wide range of ages uh, from well, zero, I guess, to almost 100. Uh, but when I was growing up, when you wanted to post a photo, what you'd have to do is you'd have to get the camera, take the photo, take the film out of the camera, go somewhere and develop it, then put that photo in an envelope and post it in the mail. That's what posting a photo used to be like. These days, you can take a photo with your phone and with the internet and computers, within seconds, a million people or more could see it. I mean, social media is an amazing, amazing thing. And, and it has its advantages. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, when my kids grow up, I can probably keep a check on what they're eating each day by their Instagram, um, see what they're up to by their Facebook, um, and I must admit I am a bit of a helicopter parent, but I guess the negative with social media these days is that it creates a lot of unrealistic expectations. It's full of people wanting to show off their lives, how good their lives are. And so what I did was I, I decided to have a look at um, Instagram and, and look up the hashtag blessed. For those of you who don't really know what Instagram is, you're not alone, but what it is, it's a place where people post up photos and, and kind of let people see what their lives are like. So what I did was I looked it up, and at the time there were 98 million posts with the tag blessed on it. And here's some examples of what I found. For some people, it's being fit and healthy. You know, it's being able to show off that they look good. For some people, being blessed means having lots of stuff, having lots of money, cars, possessions. For other people, being blessed is having a beautiful holiday or being in an awesome location. And then again, still, for some people, being blessed is being surrounded by family and friends or escaping the world and the suffering that it brings. 
But what about us? What does being blessed mean for us? How can we be blessed? Psalm 32 tells us that blessing is found in the forgiveness of sins. Blessing is found in the forgiveness of our sins. Let's take a look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is found no deceit. These two verses set the the backdrop, I guess, for the rest of the psalm. And it introduces us to the blessed one. So who is this blessed one? Well, well, the blessed one is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and their sins are covered, it says in verse 1. In verse 2 it says, The blessed one is the one who the Lord does not count their sin against them and in whose spirit is found no deceit. Some translations translate that Hebrew word blessed as happy are those or how joyful is the one. And so combining all these translations together, we can see that blessing and happiness and joy have something to do with each other in this psalm. The words transgression or sin is mentioned here three times in in these first two verses. And it points the reader to the the source of this blessing, namely the forgiveness of sin and transgression. Forgiveness is found when we are honest with God and we admit our sins to Him. And therefore, someone whose spirit is found no deceit. So from these first two verses, we can see that the blessed one is the one who God has forgiven. And this might seem really obvious, right? We, we might think straight away, Yeah, if we're forgiven of our sins, then we don't get the punishment we deserve. This in itself is is an amazing blessing. But Psalm 32 goes on to explain three more ways that forgiveness is a blessing to us and how we are blessed through forgiveness. So let's continue to read uh, the next couple of verses, verses 3 to 5. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You see, in a, in a flashback moment, David takes us back to the time before he confessed his sin to God. And we're all probably familiar with David, the story of David, the harp-playing shepherd boy who became the king of Israel. God himself chose David to be the king of his people. And although not his only sin... His most infamous one was with Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. He sleeps with her, he gets her pregnant, then he arranges for her husband Uriah to be murdered in battle to cover up his adultery and his murder. After this, David tried to carry on like nothing had happened. And whether this psalm talks about that sin or another sin of David, 
the guilt of it eventually got to him. When he kept silent, his bones wasted away. He groaned all day long. His energy was sapped. And what I love about the Bible is that when you look at the little details, it makes you think that, wow, this, this book is really something that's true. This is something that I can relate to. And maybe it's the, the doctor in me or the GP in me, but it sounds to me here that David became clinically depressed. Have you ever felt so guilty or worried that you can't eat? You lose your appetite. You feel sick in the stomach. You can't sleep, or even when you do sleep, you have nightmares. Nothing brings you joy, and you feel like you don't want to do anything. This was David. He didn't feel like doing anything. He was a groaning and moaning mess. The guilt of his sin sent David into a deep depression. And when you don't move, you, your bones literally become brittle. They become weak and fragile. The medical term for that is osteoporosis. Your bones really do waste away. And in hindsight, David could see that the the weight of his sin had physical, emotional, and psychological effects on him. And he needed someone to rescue him from that state. Then finally, in verse 5, David confesses his sin to God. And David could be reflecting on the time in in 2 Samuel 12 when the prophet Nathan confronts him. Up until then, as I said before, David had just been trying to go on living like like he, he hadn't done anything. But underneath it all, David was suffering under the weight of his sin. And so when Nathan comes, he rebukes him. And when Nathan rebukes David, David simply says, I have sinned against the Lord. He acknowledges his sin. And immediately after that confession, Nathan says to him, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. And that sounds a lot like verse 5 of this psalm when David says, I acknowledge my sin. I said I will confess my transgressions and you forgave the guilt of my sin. God took away David's wrongdoing. Forgiveness and relief was was waiting. But David needed to acknowledge and confess his sins first. He needed to own up to them and ask for forgiveness and repent. And when he did this, God took his sin away. When we don't acknowledge our sin, we can feel like we're keeping a secret from God. But we're just fooling ourselves. Of course God knows our sin. Just like he knew what Adam and Eve had done in the garden before he asked them. We're just denying ourselves the joy that comes from confessing our sins and being right with God when we try and hide our sin. The picture in verse 3 to 5 is of someone trying to deny that there's anything wrong. But when they call out for forgiveness... God comes and rescues them. God comes and rescues them from their sin. And oh, what relief it brought to David. Oh, what relief it brings to us. 
What stops us from confessing our sins? I know for myself personally, it's often pride or just flat-out denial. You know, I don't want to admit that I've done something wrong. I don't want to admit that I'm weak, that I've failed. Sometimes I try and rationalize out my sin and think, well, compared to that person, my sin's not that bad. Or maybe I'm just stubborn, like a kid who doesn't want to finish their dinner, no matter how good the dessert is. But the more we learn about who God is, and the more we learn about who we are, the more we recognize that we need forgiveness. It's not that David was the perfect man that he never sinned. We've already established that he was sinful. But David had a right response to his sin. When he recognized it, he repented and he asked for forgiveness. And it wasn't that his sin had no consequence either. The son that David had with Bathsheba died, even though David's sin was forgiven. But in forgiveness, David was rescued from the guilt of his sin. And that's the first way that forgiveness is a blessing. God becomes our rescuer. He rescues us from our guilt and shame. Verses 6 and 7 tell us of the next blessing that comes through forgiveness. Let's have a look at those. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. These verses encourage the faithful to seek comfort and shelter and deliverance in God during times of trouble. That image of the rising waters reminds me of the Thai soccer team that was trapped in the cave recently. The whole world watched with bated breath, wondering if they'd be rescued. And you can imagine every every time the water in that cave rose a little bit, what they would have felt. The anxiety, the fear, the sadness that death might be imminent. In verse 6 it says that God will protect the faithful from the rising waters. Verse 6 also shows us that forgiveness allows us to relate to God, to pray to Him, and to find Him. Through prayer, we will find safety and comfort in God. A word I think that encompasses all these ideas is the idea of, of sanctuary. It's having calm and security and peace in times of trouble because you know that God is protecting you. If God loves us so much that he's willing to send his only son, Jesus, to die for us, for our sins, how much more will he protect us and lift us up in times of trouble? When I was little and I did something naughty while we were out, mum would say, when you get home, you're going to be in trouble. And I knew that was code for I was going to get a smack. So as soon as we got out of the car, I'd run in the house and I'd hide from her. 
which in hindsight only made things worse, right? When we sin, we can try and do the same thing. We can try and run away from God because we're afraid of the consequences. But in forgiveness, instead of running away from God in fear, we run to God for peace and protection. So secondly, forgiveness is a blessing because God becomes our sanctuary. When we're forgiven, we can seek sanctuary in God. So through forgiveness, we experience God as our rescuer and God as our sanctuary. And thirdly, God becomes our counselor. Let's read verses 8 to 10. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. The psalm takes a bit of a turn here in verse 8, and it's not completely clear if it's David still talking or if it's God. But I'd lean towards God here talking. And so in verse 8, God effectively says that he's going to become David's counselor to help him not sin again. What an incredible blessing that is that the creator of the universe cares so much for us that he would come alongside us and help us live transformed lives. We still need to watch how we live, but God doesn't leave us to our own devices. He continues to help us and walk with us through instruction and teaching. In some way, it's like a personal trainer. You know, they teach you what to do and how to do things. Occasionally, they might help you, but you still need to put in the effort. We still need to lead controlled lives but God is there to help us. So how does God instruct us and teach us? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In the Bible, we have God's words. The Bible is the instruction and teaching we need to live as Christians. That's why it's important to keep reading your Bible and to know it. We also have the Holy Spirit, which Jesus himself calls our counsellor. Verses 9 and 10 are both an encouragement and a warning to not just say, thanks for the forgiveness and, and then keep on sinning. That's like a horse or a mule that has no control It has no understanding, no discipline of its own. No, we must listen to instruction and teaching and follow it. Otherwise, we run the risk of becoming the wicked again and under God's wrath. Once we've experienced the joy of God's love, how can we turn away from it? The amazing blessing is that we have a loving God who wants to counsel us with his loving eye on us and to help us to follow him. So thirdly, when we're forgiven, God himself becomes our counselor. God becomes our counselor. 
And then verse 11 closes the psalm by speaking of from the perspective of the forgiven again. It just says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. The forgiven are no longer considered wicked, but are upright. For us, we can rejoice because Jesus takes away our sin through his death and resurrection. We're considered righteous, not from anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And that definitely makes us blessed. But adding to this, through forgiveness, we learn and understand and experience more of the character of God. We go from being rebels against God to being called to being able to call on him to rescue us call on him to protect us call on him to guide us and that's why the psalm says that the forgiven are blessed and can be and can be glad and rejoice because it's the blessing of a new relationship we have with God when we're forgiven so where do we look for blessing in our lives Is it dependent on the amount of friends we have or the amount of followers we have? Does it depend on the amount of likes we get for each post we do on social media? Is it dependent on how much wealth we have, how much stuff we have or where our next holiday is going to be? Is it dependent on our good health? The world tells us that these things make us blessed but they won't last to eternity. Something that can't be taken away from us is God's love and his forgiveness. If you're sitting here today and you're struggling with a particular sin, maybe you don't feel like you can bring it to God. This psalm encourages us to confess our sins to God, to ask for forgiveness and to repent. There is no sin too big that God can't forgive. God loves us and will forgive us for our sins because of Jesus. If you're going through hardships or through trials, maybe you feel like you're at the end of your rope. This psalm encourages us to pray and seek sanctuary in God who will comfort and protect us. Finally, if you think things are going well between you and God, Psalm 32 encourages you to be vigilant, to keep watch and to follow God. Keep listening, keep listening to his counsel by reading his word. Keep each other accountable by encouraging and correcting and rebuking each other. Be an example by what you do and say. Look for the blessing that comes from knowing God and being right with him. Forgiveness allows us to deepen our knowledge of God and so deepen our love for him. Forgiveness allows us to experience the enormity of God's unfailing love for us. And that is why when you're forgiven, you're truly blessed. And that's why David can say, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you are upright in heart.